The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. My name is Ryan, and I work with the Inn as the short-term missions coordinator. Great to see you all. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night, and you got and you guys are here in the summer, pursuing your faith as a community together. That's special. Thanks for coming out. Honestly, 7 p.m. in the summer, and you're here. Um, I hope that the Holy Spirit speaks through me to you guys tonight. Let's pray. Lord, you are our everything, and I pray that. Uh, via what is said tonight, Lord, that that would be known. Uh, I pray that we would uh, invest in you with our lives, Lord, not in other things. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All of my possessions need to be out of my apartment on August 31st. 8-31 is the day my lease is up. One of my current roommates is going to be moving in with his former fiance, now wife. His name is Gray. Congrats to get Gray for getting married. Um, the other roommate is looking to live on the east side in Bellevue. Uh, it's closer to his work over there. And I am also looking for a new place to stay. Uh, the search started. The search continues. I have found nothing so far. Craigslist has been my uh, resource of choice. And it almost did me the deed the other day. Um, before leaving work, I thought I would check to see if anything had come up new on Craigslist, and uh, I found something. A one-bedroom, one-apartment, one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment under, you know, the amount that I don't want to spend, and so I zoomed out of work to this place. Uh, if I would have left 10 minutes earlier from work, it would have been mine. By the time I had got there, uh, there was already a girl chatting with the landlord, filling out the application, so I did not get that place, but that's okay. There's a lot more places out there on Craigslist, and there are new, there are, that's the truth, and there are new ones being advertised every day. I probably sift through like 20 to 40 listings a day. There are plenty, and uh, as I browse more and more apartments and houses online, I see that there are more and more factors to think about when choosing a place to live, like do I live with a, loom- a roommate or do I live alone? Is there two, are there two bathrooms in my place, not one? Uh, is it within my budget? Is the place furnished? Does it have an oven? Does it have a refrigerator? Honestly, some places don't. Uh, uh, can I, can I handle living without natural light? Can I handle living in a bathroom? Uh, is there a washer and dryer? Uh, or excuse me, when I said bathroom, I meant to say basement. <laughs> some bathrooms do have natural light. Uh, so, many factors, a lot of factors when choosing a place to live, and each one holds some type of weight in my mind as I try to figure out which places to go and check out. But the factor of factors, the one that holds the most weight always, say it with me now, is location, 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 <laughs> right? Where is the place? The question of where. The truth is, I need to live within a manageable driving distance of my job. I feel called by God at this point in my life to be working in ministry. And currently, it has me in this uh, city. It has me in the university district. And so as long as that persists, I will be living within a reasonable driving distance to the area. Let's say tomorrow on Craigslist, I find a one-bedroom. 
perfect situation with an oven for $100 a month in Morocco, in Montana, in Oregon, in Spokane, or the Tri-Cities. Those won't do. It wouldn't mean anything at all. Those places would not suffice because they're too far away. As I've already said, the factor of factors is location. Where is the place? For those of you who don't know, um, this summer, every single one of our summer inns has focused on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and, which Jesus preached in uh, all of chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. Boom. Thanks, Kels. Uh, we divided it up into 10 parts throughout the summer, and currently we're on the seventh part. Let's take a look at the first section of our text tonight, and I'll get out of the way for you guys. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Take it in. That was our Savior speaking. The guy who paid for our blood with his blood. The guy to whom we owe our lives. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Maybe in this moment some of us are thinking that this text does not apply to us in our current stage of life. These are, that the words tonight are going to be insignificant to us. I don't have any money. I'm a student. I'm studying. I don't have a job. Everyone would call me a poor academic. Right? Maybe some of us are saying those things right now. If that's you saying that in your head right now, know that this text speaks as much to you who feel that way as much as it does to the wealthiest of us all, to the wealthiest, to the wealthiest of them all as well. Um, it costs money to live in this world. It does. And at some point in our lives, you will likely have a job to, so that you can support yourself or a family and pay your bills. And when that time comes, when you receive your first paycheck. When we receive our first paychecks, we will need this text that invites us to live free from the dumb rat race that so many of us wake up and tie our shoes to get ready for. Money, possessions, and financial success can become a God. It can become the first thing we think about when we wake up in the morning. Typically, the older you get, as far as I've seen at least, the older you get, um, the more powerful this sinful desire is. But it creeps in slowly. I've noticed this desire through my thoughts on what it means to live comfortably. I've noticed over the last few years that the amount of dollars I think I need per year to live comfortably doesn't stay the same. It is always rising. I've experienced it and now I've keen, now I'm keenly aware of how gripping it can be. Two years ago, Full disclosure, I made less than $1,000 a month while living with a host family. Yet, 
I did live abundantly. I lived abundantly. I comfortably paid for gas, food, car insurance, a gym membership, expenses that came with hanging out with my friends. And I even was able to save some money. Some money, not a lot, but some. This last year, I was making more than that, more than what I made two years ago, and found that my standard of living uh, increased a little bit. I'm shopping at some grocery stores that are a little bit more expensive, spending a little bit more money on going out to dinner and on clothing and paying for extra amenities like internet or cable or renter's insurance. That was last year. And now, as I'm, le- as I'm looking to the year ahead, my mind continues to tell me that my standard of living needs to rise. Rent a better apartment. Eat out a little bit more. Get new clothes, new TV, new basketball shoes, new Xbox, new water bottles even, new more sporting events. As little as these things may seem, you guys, uh, they're there and they add up. These things aren't innately bad either. They're not innately bad. Water bottles? <laughs> they're not bad. They're not bad things. But it's these types of small additions that we continue to add uh, to our blueprint of the bare minimum we, we require for a standard, a standard comfortable life. And so each year, each season of life, we'll think that we need more and more money to pay for what we ourselves define as living comfortably. Money, or the money becomes our master. We start seeking it out devoutly to ensure we are living at that bare minimum standard of life that we want to live at. It begins to take a lot of real estate in our thoughts. In our free time, we're checking the bank account. And we begin uh, to develop affection for this financial comfort. This is storing up treasures on earth. It can creep into our lives slowly at whatever amount of money we earn. There's no threshold dollar amount that equates to storing up treasures on earth. Excuse me. Excuse me. You're making $50,000 a year. You are now storing up treasures on earth. Make sure to tell your employer to lower your salary a little bit so that you're good with God, so that Jesus is cool with that. Because $50,000 a year, guys, that's storing up treasures on earth. No, it's not like that. It's not like that. That's not how it works, you guys. Um, that's not how it works. Maybe I didn't portray that well enough. (laughs) Um, It can happen. Storing up treasures on earth can happen to any one of us at whatever amount of money we're making if we're not paying attention. This theme of not being able to serve God and money at the same time came up often in Jesus' teaching. My sources say about 15% of all his words focus on the stewardship of money and possessions which is more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. The Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John make up 86 pages in my Bible. Thirteen of those pages are full of teaching on stewardship of money and possessions. Mark 10 says, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Matthew 19, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Luke 12, in Luke 12, you read, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. In Mark 12, we read, He said to his disciples, Truly, 
this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. In Luke 6, we read, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your consolation. Those are just a few. Jesus knows. He knows and speaks of the negative ways in which we can be sucked away by money and successism. And he wants us to live devoid of the gods they they can become. And so Jesus, our Messiah, our anointed one, our chosen one, sees the importance of and points us to location, location, location. But not in the same context that we talked about earlier. A context much different than housing and apartments. A context that does not Influence, or that influences a lot more than just the amount of miles we'll have to drive to work. The word Jesus gives us has to do with the whereabouts of our heart. Uh, let's take a look at the text one more time so that it's fresh in our minds, actually. Uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart is going to follow what we treasure, what we marvel at, what we give our full attention to. When I say heart, I'm I'm not referring to the organ, uh, the blood pumping organ. I'm referring to everything that encompasses who we are. That's what our heart is. Take money and possessions, for example. Let's pretend, let's pretend they're our treasure for the moment. Everything that encompasses who we are will scream money and possessions. Our conversations will revolve around recent and future purchases. Jobs will be meant solely for acquiring wealth. Our thoughts will be meant solely for acquiring wealth. What's important to us, our spending habits, the ways we entertain ourselves, our free time, our character, and our purpose in life will all stem from what we treasure. Knowing all this, Jesus advises us to store up treasures in heaven where moths and vermin cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Everything on this earth expires. It decays. There is nothing on this earth right now that is eternal. It doesn't bring us the security like we believe it does, but rather security's opposite, anxiety. Anxiety that causes us to only want more. We are at this constant war with the expiration of things in our lives that we can never truly, really find rest or peace. And so as the location of our hearts pairs with the location of our treasures, and if our treasures are on the earth, are our, are our hearts going to be destroyed along with those treasures? Physically, physically, I don't think so. But spiritually and emotionally, oh yeah. I totally believe that. The good news though, is that Jesus offers every one of us, offers every one of us the opportunity not to think about that question. There's only one giver of rest and peace and he is suggesting us to store up treasures in heaven where nothing can be destroyed. Don't we want our hearts in that location? Don't we want our conversations, our jobs, 
our thoughts, what's important to us, our spending habits, the way we spend our free time, our purpose in life to, to stem from that indestructible eternity, that's where I want my heart to be from. Ask yourself, where do you want your heart? What, what do we want for everything that encompasses who we are? Imagine how childlike we would all be if we stored our hearts in heaven from the beginning of our lives. The calluses that remain on my heart and maybe some of yours from the destruction and decay of the world would not be there had I not set my treasure on things of this world, which I definitely have done and still do at times today. And so the question becomes, how? How, how do we store up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth? And the answer is by giving. The answer is by giving. Give out of the little that we have. Definitely give out of the abundance, abundance that we have. The act of giving tells God we are not attached to our money. And if we are attached to our money when we're giving, continue to give. And we'll find that we'll become less and less, or less and less attached as we realize we really don't need that much money to live what we see as a, a comfortable life. Um, Dale Bruner, theologian, one of the smartest guys in this world, in this world concerning this stuff, says the most concrete, practical way to store up treasures in heaven is to make the life move of economic divestment to, and then to invest it in the poor. Take away from yourself, divest it and give it to the poor, invest it in the poor. Here are some practical ways to do that. Buy some granola bars to keep in your backpack, to keep in your car. Costco sells granola bars, a lot of them for a really cheap price. Uh, this way, every time you pass someone on the street, if, anytime you pass someone before going on the freeway, you won't have to say, I'm sorry, man, I got nothing. Introduce yourself to someone waiting outside a grocery store. Ask them if they want something to eat. A pizza stick is a, is not that much, you guys. And they're not, they're not gonna ask for hundreds of dollars of food. There's always someone waiting outside of that Safeway. I don't know if you guys have been there before. Introduce yourself to him or her. Ask them if they need something. Go to REI. I bought a small tarp for three dollars. I saw, I, I went there during the REI sale. I'm not sure how much these, these tarps cost now. <laughs> but during the sale, there was a tarp maybe like six feet by ten feet for, two, for $3. And I bought some of them. Knowing that, and I'm not trying to like push myself up by telling you guys this, but knowing that, um, we're in Seattle. We know what happens here in Seattle. And for those who aren't under a roof when they want to be, it, it probably sucks at times, you know? Tarps, whether we know it or not, uh, are huge. Socks as well. Jeff Lilly is the president of Union Gospel Mission. Um, and Jeff Lilly spoke at UPC one time. And uh, he was speaking about um, uh, the poor. And what he said is more or less the number one thing that people, uh, the homeless want in this area are, are socks. The value of clean socks is high. I don't know what the value is, dollar amount, but it's high. Go to Target, buy a six-pack of socks, keep one pair in your backpack at all times. 
that way, when, if you run into someone, ask. Ask if they want. I think, you know, throwing someone a pair of socks might be, you know, in a way that can be perceived as arrogant, you know. Um, but ask someone, I mean, likely they won't say no. Um, okay. Chapter, okay. Uh, the point of all this, the point of all this, of course, is to, is to build up treasures in heaven, getting rid of the money that we have, and also building relationship. Remember, we're called to do things like this, uh, for multiple reasons. Chapter one, chapter one might be giving to someone. Chapter two might be learning what their name is the next time you see them. Chapter three, you know, weeks down the road. Maybe it's hours down the road. Maybe it's months down the road. Inviting them to church. Go there. Okay. Also, we continue. There are plenty of organizations out there that are funded by people like us. People who give. Go watch some YouTube. I watched a YouTube video last night of a guy who had never communicated with anyone in his life because he, he was mute, he was deaf, and he did not know sign language. He has never, he, all he has are the thoughts in his head. That's all he has. Not writing them down, no hearing, no listening, no communicating at all. And someone came to this, this boy's village uh, and met many villages around it and invited all these people who were deaf and mute to come to a class to learn, learn sign language. And he was, at 15 years old, he was able to communicate for the first time in his life anything, even hello. Like, what does that feel like? I don't know. But no, all that to say, there are organizations out there that need money to do stuff like this. That's just another way, another way to spend money. To, to store up treasures in heaven. And by no means are we limited to only giving resources to people that we don't know. There are countless creative ways to store up treasures in heaven by blessing your friends who are likely students who aren't, uh, uh, who aren't earning much. And I'll think, uh, excuse me, and I think one of the best ways to, um, store up treasures in heaven with those around you, excuse me, that was wrong. I think everyone wants food. That's what I think. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, everyone needs food, right? Everyone needs food during the day. One time I was at Fix Coffee House. That's my place. I love that coffee place. It's in Green Lake. I was not, I don't know what I was doing. I was probably doing some work or reading. George Hinman, who is the pastor of this church, the head pastor of this church, came up to me and asked me, Ryan, do you want a salmon Caesar salad? <laughs> I'm like, what? I, like, I would love, I would love one. Like, thank you so much. Um, I have no, I had no idea he was even there. Apparently he goes to that place a lot. Every Friday he goes, go every Friday to that place. Uh, every, guys, every Friday, George goes, let's, I'm kidding. Uh, every, out of the blue, out of the blue, he asked me if I wanted something to eat. And I, like, I eat every, we, most of us, I think, eat every day. Seriously, we eat, right? Like, honest. Um, and I don't say that as a joke, because there are, there are some people who don't eat, you know? Um, every, don't eat every day, at least. But, um, yeah, I was appalled by that experience. I, it was so unexpected, I felt so blessed by it, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, me being so surprised that he did that 
probably means that I don't do it enough. If you're in line at Pagliacci's at the hub, give the cashier an extra $5 and say it's for the person behind you, who maybe you don't even know. That's okay. Don't need to tell anyone. Don't need to tell the person behind you either. Just something to do. Ask your friend if you could buy them a smoothie at the IMA. Whose favorite place on campus is the IMA? Whose was? Pat, thank you. You guys don't like the IMA? For you for the U-dubbers. It is a far, it is a long ways away. Okay, that's beside the point. Uh, buy a smoothie for someone when you leave the IMA. Make an extra Pop-Tart in the morning and leave it on the table with a note saying, bless you, or, who, or for whoever is living at your house. Hey, guess what? You can do the same thing with a muffin. <laughs> do it with a muffin as well. Send a text out to the people you live with and say that you're making extra food tonight and would love if anyone would join you. Great on weekends for those of you who live in fraternities and sororities. Sending a text out to seven people saying, hey, I'm making two extra plates of spaghetti. If anyone wants it, come by. That's storing up treasures in heaven. Tell your friend who drives people a lot that you'd love to put 15 bucks in their tank. Let's say you knew a friend. Here's another example. Let's say you knew a friend who was, who was struggling financially, truly. They never went out to get Froya with you. They never wanted to go to movies with you. They never ate out at all. They never wanted to go get bubble tea with you after the inn. They never wanted to go on weekend trips to Portland for whatever reason. Whatever you guys are doing, that person does not want to because, because they had to be careful with their money. Truly, they did. What would it look like if that person found an envelope and it takes some discernment to really know who, who, is in, who is in need of money, right? Like you don't, it, it takes some discernment. But what would it look like if that person found $20, a $20 bill in an envelope in their backpack? Our $20 bill in someone else's backpack who really needed it more than we do, more than we did. You don't have to say it's from you. You can say it's from you if you want. But that... That's powerful. Um, maybe for us, giving looks like supporting a fellow student on uh, their break mission trip. We do a lot of those through university ministries. Um, and it happens during the spring, if anyone's interested. Uh, or maybe it looks like helping someone on their uh, deputation trip, which is a trip we do in the summer. Donating to people going on mission trips does not need to be in the hun- hundreds of dollars. You know, you don't need to donate $50 for it to be a considerable Donation. Remember, remember uh, the text we were reading about that woman who gave just two coins in, and the other people. Maybe, maybe I give a five dollars in because you know at this job I make a salary. Maybe, and then a homeless person comes comes into church and gives four bucks. You guys, like God doesn't. It's not just the surface level amount. That person gave four bucks of maybe the eight bucks they had total, and I'm giving you know that small percentage of what I have. So, like, it's not the amount that counts. To the, to God, at least. Like, you give 10 bucks to someone who's going on a mission trip, like, that's, you should not think less of yourself because it's, you know, less than what their families are given. It's what, I mean, it's, it depends on what you have, you know? It depends on what you have. Um, remember, these are all just some ideas. These are just some. These are not all of the 14 you can do. Uh, think of more. Be creative with ways you, Store up treasures in heaven with your money. Remember to maintain a humble posture while doing any of this as well. 
We should not seek out a certain response after giving. Yes, it's nice if I gave you five bucks and you wrote me a card. That would be nice, you know? But we shouldn't expect anything at all. Maybe you give, maybe you, you know, you buy something to someone outside of the Safeway and they take it and don't say anything to you at all. Yeah, that may be frustrating at the moment, but that's, that's not our job to, to teach that person to be thankful. That's not on us, you know? We're just called to give. We're just called to store treasures in heaven. Um, okay. Yeah, out of the kindness of our heart and out of obedience and trust in our Lord, we do this. Jesus wants, Jesus wants the location, location, location of our hearts in a good place. Remember, He wants them, our hearts, in heaven with our treasures. Jesus will change your heart. I mean, even thinking about what George did for me, even thinking about that the other day at the coffee shop, it it softens my heart a little bit, a little bit. Giving money is something we do so rarely as Americans that perhaps only a few of us truly, truly know how liberating it is. And once we do give, once we do experience that and feel that true liberation, you can take your racing helmet off. You can untie your shoes and step out of the circular, never-ending racetrack that is the pursuit of money, that is the pursuit of treasures on this earth. Maybe one day Jesus will have to rent out storage space in heaven for our treasures. Jesus set set a great pace for us 2,000 years ago, serving the poor and putting his treasures in heaven. Let's take note. Let's take note from him and try to do the same. Let me pray. Lord, how great it is that you can speak through any of us, Lord. You can speak through through all of us who are sinful, Lord, who who have troubles in life, Lord, and who uh, are guilt are guilty. Those those of us who are shameful, Lord, you look past that and speak through us. And I pray that each person here tonight would know uh, that they are capable of speaking your words, Lord. Sometimes it doesn't even mean saying anything at all. Sometimes it means just giving, Lord. And so I pray that each one of us, maybe starting today, maybe continuing today, would truly feel the liberation, the freedom that it is, Lord, to store up treasures in heaven, to give you the money that we have, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray.